Coming into the 1986-87 season, hopes were high for the Boilermakers. With nine returning letter winners, including four starters, Purdue began the season ranked fourth in the nation. The team would live up to those expectations, spending the entire season in the top ten while winning a Big Ten title. We'll have the story of the regular season this week on Katie Corner. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's show. The regular season is over and the Purdue Boilermakers finish out the year. 24 wins, 4 losses. You know, we had such a great experience right there for 3 or 4 weeks. The uh, second half of the season we're 8-1 and one and ended up winning time for a share of the Big Ten title. Purdue began the 86-87 season by winning its first 7 games and climbed to number 2 in the polls before falling to 4th ranked North Carolina in the Dallas Morning News Classic just before the new year. The Boilermakers won seven more in a row before losing a late January heartbreaker to second-ranked and undefeated Iowa, 70-67. The Hawkeyes would take over the top spot in the AP poll the next morning. Purdue bounced back with an overtime thriller over number 9 Illinois three nights later, but fell on the road to fourth-ranked Indiana to close out the month of January. Then Coach Katie's team caught fire running off their third seven-game winning streak of the season, including road wins at number 4 Iowa and number 14 Illinois to go with a revenge win in Mackey over third-ranked Indiana. The Boilermakers entered the final week of the regular season with road games at Michigan State and Michigan, a Big Ten title within their grasp. One win would lead to a shared title. Two would give them the outright crown. Here's Coach Katie and Larry Clisby from March 7th, 1987. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's show. The regular season is over and the Purdue Boilermakers finish out the year. 24 wins, 4 losses, 15-3 and three in the Big Ten Conference. That's good enough for a share of the Big Ten Conference crown. And uh, things did not end nicely at Ann Arbor, Michigan, but the final week of the season did see a split of row games. Gene Katie in here and the... Coach, uh, yesterday was not a very pleasant experience, but it does not take away really from what was an outstanding year. No, I think one of the things about uh, coaching basketball that most coaches never experience is a win at the end of their season. That's what we all worked to try to do. And, you know, we had such a great experience right there for three or four weeks. Our second half of the season, we're 8-1 and one and ended up winning a tie in for a share of the Big Ten title which you know, you're supposed to feel great about, and we thought we could do it by ourselves and go to Michigan, and the bottom falls out, and you come home very frustrated, especially jumping into the NCAA week. So right now we're kind of smarting, and maybe we can use that as a springboard to, to play good basketball this next week. Any particular reasons, and I know you talked to me after the game, if you knew the reasons, I guess, uh, then you wouldn't ask the question, but any, any hint at all that that was going to happen at Michigan, other than the fact it looked like uh, some people were on Michigan's case for their performance against Illinois? Well, I never have any excuses for losing or playing poorly. You know that. I think one of the things that I've always uh, tried to realize and, and use as one of the ways to explain what happens in a game is that sometimes it's not who you play, it's when you play them, and that Michigan had been embarrassed by Illinois on their home court on Wednesday evening, the night we played at East Lansing, and beat Michigan State and and they they were down 23 points at one time to Illinois on their home court and and uh, I guess the Detroit press and the people in the area were really on the program and and uh, one of those things that happens when you get beat by a team maybe you shouldn't at home and and they were ready to play us and we had worked hard and prepared for this game just like all the other games and and uh, boy Michigan came out with fire and eye and they did a great job taking us out early 
and they hit everything they put up. But that had a lot to do with our defense. We weren't out there contesting shots and denying the passing lanes and, and helping each other like we had been. We just weren't emotionally into the game. And that's hard to understand why you're not, because I want to know that too. It's been a, a very difficult three-week stretch, though. I mean, there's no question that you were facing a tremendous uphill battle. You were a little bit down in the loss column at the particular time when you started out on that journey, and that was, of course, a situation where you had five road games and nine appearances. So you got to be very pleased that you did finish eight and one in those nine games. Yeah, we come back uh, after the Indiana loss and, and uh, play uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin and beat them here, and then we start on a second or seven uh, game, uh, finishing out our season streak. And the first one's at Iowa, and it's one of those games where uh, we knew we had to have if we were going to see the league race. And we told our kids out of the next seven games, we have five of them on the road. Those five road games are going to make us better for the NCAA. So let's do our best and try to improve. And, and lo and behold, we win them all. And then you get it yourself into a, the Michigan game where you got a chance to win it uh, all as, as a league title. And, and uh, the kids have played great down the stretch, and, and we're very proud of them. And despite the loss, you uh, certainly received some great fan support when you came home from Ann Arbor. Well, there was about 2,000 fans out the airport, which kind of shocked all of us. Uh, we'd come back from uh, after the Iowa win, which is like winning a national title, and <laughs> nobody's there. And we come back from the Illinois win, and that's like winning another national title, and nobody's there. But it's awfully late, and uh, we didn't think about it too much. And then we come in after this loss, and holy cow, there's 2,000 people out there, and we really appreciated that. And, I hope it jacks the kids up because they really deserve that. I remember one of the, I forget what player it was, but I remember what he said. It was, gosh, we, uh, after we played like that and all of you are out here, but I'm sure they appreciated it and uh, should be able to pick them up. Coach, Michigan State certainly was ready for you. If you pick up a victory here, you have clinched at least a title share, but uh, they came into this game with a very good game plan. They came out very patient and uh, passed the ball five, six, seven times before they look for a shot and I imagine Judd probably wished he might have played that way all year the way it turned out but they had been such a great offensive club the last two years that that, that that's what the style they use uh, most of the year and and they really took it to us and we really never got ahead of them and, and had any uh, relaxation to, with what 50 seconds left in, in the game so it was a very frustrating game but we pulled it out well let's pick up the highlights of this game Michigan State at Jenison Fieldhouse won't be long until they're in their new arena but this is still a tough place to play. Holds about 10,000, and the fans really have a tendency to go wild on him. Ed Wright, who had a very good game, scores on the baseline to make it Michigan State 4 and Purdue 2. And you'll see an alley-oop coming here to Darrell Johnson. That'll make it 8 to as Michigan State got off to a good start, Coach. Yeah, the defensive uh, baseline drive there hurt us. We didn't stop on the base, and the alley-oop hurts us, and, and they get off to a great start and get their head up. Todd Mitchell received the ball low here for a basket for the Boilermakers. Good feed from Everett inside, and and uh, that was one of the things we wanted to do was dominate the paint and, and take the ball inside regularly. Then Melvin McCants will get it in low. That was a feed from Troy Lewis. Well, you know, I didn't think Melvin had a very good game there, and I see the stats afterwards has 18 points, four rebounds, and Fordham doesn't score. The guy is guarding, so he had a good game. 117 and get the uh, alley oop coming to Mitchell. This will make it 21 to 19 in favor of Michigan State. Who had one lead in the half? That was on the last shot of the half. Nice executed backdoor there. Troy hits a three pointer with 60 seconds left in the half. Makes it 25 24 Michigan State. And then you're going to see a Melvin rebound off a miss. And then Lewis gives you your only lead of the half. 
Uh, it was just an unbelievable shot, and uh, you know, it was nice feeling going into halftime to have some momentum on our side because we hadn't had any the entire half. Now the second half, although the game was close, uh, you seemed to be in control most of the time and got good inside play from Lee number 20 and Mitchell number 33. We had good balance from everybody. It, it was one of those games where Michigan State did a good job controlling the tempo. And get a nice kind of a half hook shot here by Lee on the baseline. It worked out very nicely. That was a really tough shot. He made it, got the roll. Then Mitchell rebound and follow to make it 45-40. Purdue on top. That was a slow-paced game, well played uh, really by both teams. Good job on the board to get that one in, Mitchell. And then Everett, who was uh, pretty silent in the first half, uh, comes awake in the second half of play and helps you out offensively. He labored a little bit on those two games to Michigan, scoring-wise. Then you have a Valentine with a short J here to make it 57-55. Uh, we pressed him there, and we thought we could get a, a maybe get a steal. I mean, they got a hand on it, and it turns out to be a basket for them. Most people felt this was the biggest shot of the game. A three-pointer with 2.36 left by Lewis. And he won the game really at the foul line. And McCants was the hero down the stretch at the line in a 69-59 victory. So you were doing very well. So now you got a Big Ten title. Some of the reactions after the game, and you had mentioned that uh, you're very pleased because the team really didn't seem to be terribly excited about it. They knew they still had another game to go and still had a chance to win well, it outright. Know, usually in a situation like that, Larry, somebody gets thrown in the shower or they're celebrating, but they were very reserved and were talking about Michigan. So I felt good about going to Ann Arbor and playing in that game because I felt like they were ready for it in, in, as far as the mental part was. Now again, uh, setting up the game at Michigan, realizing that Indiana was going to play prior to that game at home against Ohio State. A victory then would force Purdue into having to win at Michigan. Also remember that Michigan was embarrassed just a couple of nights earlier by Illinois. In fact, as Gene mentioned earlier, they were down big, I mean real big, and the papers were really frying Mr. Frieder. And we knew going in there that uh, that's not the ideal circumstances you want to have a ball game played. And also, you know, talking to some of your assistants, they said the team seemed to be very emotionally charged for the game before the game. There's no way to read what was actually going to happen. Did not have a good practice, though, Friday night. I didn't think mentally we weren't into it, and I was worried then. And I knew that Indiana was, certainly was probably going to win the game, and, and we, didn't, we don't ever count on those type of things. So we knew that we were going to have to win this and if we were going to win it by ourselves. And Indiana did win it. Ohio State gave them a great game, but won it 90-81. By that time, everybody knew that Purdue would have to win. Now, starting the contest, you're going to get a, a Mitchell rebound here. They scored the first four. And you know, they had the crowd jacked up. But then you score the next six, and you think, oh, hey, now that everything's settled down, it's going to be a good ball game right here. Well, we were wrong about that. Yes, sir. After that, it was all the white shirts from there on out. Rice with a backdoor slam. Everett's going to miss inside. He took only two shots in the first 25 minutes, and they get the transition. And Gary Grant with a stuff. You can't have your point guard driving there and miss a basket because uh, you're not going to have a safety, and if you don't get the basketball, they're going to get a layup, and that's exactly what happened. Trapped the freshman in the corner, and that ended up in a, another basket by Grant. 
And by this time, Gene, they had all the momentum and, you know, everything was going their way then. They hit everything they could throw up. Gilbert had a great first half. Fired Thompson with the hoop there, his final game. Crowd was jacked and it was a, quite honestly, a very unpleasant situation if you were a visiting team. Home club loved it. The rest of us uh, found it a very disgusting afternoon. It certainly was. A long afternoon and uh, very depressing going into our present circumstance and getting ready for the NCAA, but that's one of those things you got to learn how to cope with. Uh, humbling, I guess, would be the right word. We talked about this often. If you're not ready to play, there's so much parity in Division I basketball today that uh, someone's going to get you. Well, we had talked about this in detail right before the game, and we wrote a big word up on the board, intensity, and those teams that have intensity are going to survive the next three weeks, and the ones that don't are going to get blown out. So, you know, talking about it is not going to make it happen. You've got to realize it and have your older kids understand that and make everybody else do it. So uh, we just didn't have any intensity, and they had su uh, superior intensity. This all first-half action. It was 48-21 to go on and win it big over Purdue. One of the things, Gene, that you talk about occasionally is, and I really believe this to be true, uh, you know, they put a lot of pressure on the coaches. It's, they say it's a coach's responsibility to get the team ready every week, but, you know, sometimes players got to take it upon themselves to say, hey, we're going to be ready regardless of what happens, and sometimes the players have got to mentally get set to get the job done and not really worry about someone having to get them ready. Well, that's true, but at the same time, that's what they pay me for. So, you know, it's a situation where uh, we all have to work together on it, and the older kids have to get everybody else ready, and I have to get the older kids ready, and it has to be a, you know, a teamwork situation. But uh, it was certainly uh, one of those games that was frustrating for all of us, to say the least, because we didn't cover anybody, and we did not shoot the ball uh, with any type of a magic level, and it was just one of those things where Everything fell in place for them, and, and we were a half a step behind on everything we tried. When this show is being taped, we have no idea what's going to happen. Absolutely none. It could have been a little more clear-cut, I think, with a win over Michigan, but that's uh, gone. That's something in the past, Coach. So now, as we talk, we don't really know what the draw is going to be tomorrow. All we know is Purdue will be in a tournament, and they'll be starting either Thursday or Friday. And she'll get a decent draw because you're still going to be one of the top you know, eight teams in the country. I don't have any idea where we're going, Larry. I, I would guess that probably it'll be away from here and uh, second or third seed someplace. But I don't think we'll be close. If we are close, I'd be shocked. But I know that it's something your team has looked forward to for a long time, ever since last year against LSU. It's another season. It's the third season, and you've emphasized it all year. And I know you want to get off to a great start. We talked about it all summer. We. Uh, talked about it after the LSU loss. As, as we've said many times, we had hoped that in the Big Ten we could win it so we'd have a good seed and we got into it. And uh, this is where we wanted, wanted to go. This is our game plan, to be able to uh, do a great job in the NCAA. And we're looking forward to it with a lot of excitement. We had a setback Saturday, but uh, if you've been in this game as long as I have, on a given day, anyone can beat you. So there's no question that the team definitely has nothing to be cocky about going into the NCAA tournament, and uh, we'll be talking to you next week, and hopefully we'll have two victories in the NCAA when we meet everybody else. Good luck to you. Thank you very much. All right, that's this week's show. See you next week. At 15-3, Purdue shared the Big Ten title with Indiana, a game ahead of third place Iowa. Six teams would advance to the NCAA tournament, including the Boilermakers, who, despite being ranked seventh or better all season long, 
and with two wins over top five teams in the final month of the season, drew the number three seed in the East region. They would open up against Northeastern University in Syracuse, New York. That's where we'll pick it up next week on Katie Corner.